0: Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Que cosa hao, Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. We have a fantastic episode for you today with a brilliant guest, three-time South African Olympian in canoe, Bridget Hartley joins the show. This was such a lovely conversation, and before we start, happy birthday, Bridget. Yes, today, July 14th, is her birthday, a very appropriate day to release her episode. As mentioned before, Bridget competed in three separate Olympic Games, achieving a bronze medal at the 2012 Games in London, and she will be attending her fourth Games next month in Tokyo, not as an athlete but as an IOC athletes commission candidate. On today's episode, Bridget chats about how she first found herself on the water. And she talks about the three Olympic games and how they differed. And finally, Bridget reflects on the bodies of water that have left the strongest emotional mark on her life. Brilliant, brilliant conversation. She was amazing. Happy birthday, Bridget. Excited for everyone to meet you. So let's go ahead and welcome on three-time Olympian who will be attending our fourth Olympics next month, South African, Bridget Hartley. And let's learn. It's been a while that I've had someone on from South Africa, but I'm glad to have you. When was it that you first found yourself on the water and then what do you remember about those early years?
1: So I've actually um, have come from a bit of a water background, um, but I thought I was going to be this pro surfer. <laughs> <laughs> when I was, I was growing up. Um, but my dad introduced me to paddling. And I first so I was first surfing and then I went back inland to live with my dad and finish school. And then obviously my surfing dream got a little bit shattered. <laughs> uh, and that's when I kind of took up paddling. But I, I didn't enjoy it as much because I'd go with my dad and my brother and they'd be so much faster than me that I just kind of was like, I don't enjoy the sport. It wasn't a school sport. You couldn't get... Um, you couldn't get any colors or anything like that. So I I kind of like, it was more like in the background. Um, I did hockey and athletics and a bit of water polo at school and some gymnastics. And then at university, I first played hockey and then some guys at university saw me, like I started paddling a bit more. And in between some classes, there's this little pond that's like, it is a pond because like 400 meters in perimeter. Um, But it's on the sports grounds at the University of Pretoria. So I just started paddling around there. I met some guys and they were like, oh, Bridget, you should come train with us. There's this Hungarian coach um, in the town nearby and we go training with him. And I was like, oh, okay. well, I'll just come and see what happens. But the sprint canoeing doesn't sound that interesting. It's like swimming down a lane, surely. Like that's (laughs) like not really fun. I think I'd rather do the river races. They sound more adventurous. And yeah, I guess the rest is history. (laughs)
0: Wow. Well, it's fascinating to me. It's very common that athletes kind of fall into another sport. It it, it happens way more than I ever imagined. But I'm also curious, do you still get a chance to get back on the water to surf? Do you still surf regularly?
1: So not now, because I live about an hour away um, where I am. And then if you do go to where the Like close to the ocean, you don't really know the break as well as what I did when I lived there. Um, So I lived in Richard's Bay, like, so there I was kind of like just over a kilometer away from the sea. So you could actually just go down otherwise like cracking, like, can you go? Is it like windy or okay? No, it's not low tide. Um, I'll just wait like two hours and I'll go back down again. Whereas now you can't really like go have a look at the beach and then okay cool let me just go home quickly and then come back again in an hour so it's a little different but every now and then when I do get to get on my board again it it doesn't feel too foreign. the only thing is you get like on your ribs yeah from lying on the board it gets a bit sensitive (laughs) after the first try but um, I think because I've kept up being active and I'm still paddling fit and stuff to paddle out into backline and catch waves is not really It's not like I'm getting out of breath and I'm like, oh, I can't do this.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, talk to me about the last year, because I know it's been difficult, especially for athletes. So how did you handle the emotional ups and downs that came with it? And then also, what did you do to adapt your training for the time that you were confined to to being at home?
1: So initially I had been, I'd been on a training camp and I was actually training quite hard still to compete for South Africa. But I think for me, it's one of the athletes that had probably changed drastically. But when we first went into lockdown, I had my own paddling ergo, and I had my own gym stuff. So I actually was training two to three times a day in my house. Like it, it, it isn't fun on an ergo and it's probably not mimicking the same effect as being on water. And Yeah, but you—I was at least training and doing the gym, and so I spent a couple of weeks doing that. And I think only when the official announcement came that it was like, okay, the Olympics is not happening, I was like, oof, well, what do I do now? Like, I have a degree, I'm not going to get a job, and you can't just sit around. And now, what are you training for? Nothing. So I think that was—it was quite an emotional roller coaster there. I think not only for me, Um, and then, yeah, I guess uh, you just kind of take it in your stride. And then I got an online job, and. That's kind of taking a bit of priority now, and yeah, not. I'm probably only going to Tokyo for my IOC Athletes Commission post, um, not as an athlete to compete.
0: And then, who is our our guest that we have? Your your co-host on today, that your dog behind you,
1: <laughs> Doozy. Yeah, he just popped up he, into the. He decided that he wants to come and join the conversation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, what's his name? Doozy. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. I saw him pop in. I love it. I'm curious on just the, the physical aspects of kayaking and canoeing. What do you think is the most challenging aspect of that for someone? Maybe if they had never done it before, what would be the most physically demanding part?
1: So I think depending on how, like your age, when you actually start, it seems like the balance is probably the most difficult thing. <laughs> is, but The nice thing in South Africa is you get so many different shapes, at, like we've got rivers so that you have a river boat that is a lot more stable and you sit deeper in the boat. Whereas if you're in Europe, you probably have most of the paddling crafts are like the slinky flat water straight, like let's race down the line um, type of boat. So if you were to start paddling later, it probably isn't something that would become a recreational sport unless you've got these big fat plastic boats. Yeah. So, I think for somebody learning as a beginner, it's always tough by yourself. Like it helps if you can get in a boat with someone and you can sit behind them. They'll keep the boat stable and you can just learn the the motion before. So it's exactly the same, I think, as surfing. Like if you try and learn how to surf, it's so difficult. But once you get the hang of it, then it's the most fun ever. So I think paddling is quite similar that it's hard to actually like – get that balance. But then once you have it and you find your groove, then it's really, really great because it's not a high impact sport. So Mm -hmm. something that you can actually do for quite a long time in your life. It's got like a lot more longevity, I think.
0: Yeah. And those lifelong sports are always the most enjoyable because like you said, there is no expiration date on it. Also the mental aspects got to be unique because balance is equal parts mental as it is physical. How many times if, if you think you're going to fall, then you will fall. So how are the mental aspects So what do you do to be in the right frame of mind when you're on the water?
1: So I think that's tough. I mean, as a top athlete, that's like you're always playing with emotional things in your head. Like mm-hmm. one day you don't feel like you're strong enough. I've raced before where I didn't even know how I'd made the final because I watched all the other girls. Go- well, I looked at the times of the other girls' semis and maybe the wind changed or we were lucky. I don't even know, but I looked at the times and I was like, how am I even in this final? Our semifinal was so much slower. I don't feel like we should actually be here. And then I came third. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so-
1: it's I think that your brain definitely can um it can make or break you sometimes and but there's challenges along the way always like not like not only in training and racing you go overseas then you have the elements like we can get overseas and you all of a sudden have 10 degrees to race in and we're not so prepared the Europeans might be but definitely not South Africans um And then also traveling and like being away from home and all the training camps that you spend out of the country. That's also pretty challenging.
0: What do you know now about the sport that you wish you had known back when you started university?
1: Well, actually I'm, I'm pretty grateful. I think that I started later. I feel like I've had a bit of a longer career. I've seen a lot of athletes coming up as juniors racing as a junior, and then they don't last very long, um, or they don't make it like. In the big wide world, either. <laughs> I think I was just fortunate to get a Hungarian coach at the time that I did. So he was kind of like nurtured me to get a good technique and then introduced me to the international paddling world. And there was a big South African squad. So I think that the channels I took were were really great. But I think like some of the athletes I've seen that started as juniors, they haven't actually they haven't made they haven't made that break like yeah. in the world and then they've given up too soon.
0: I think sometimes if you start too young it can lead to burnout you need something different and not many people can say the sentence of i started late but i've also been in three different olympic games so three different olympic games including a bronze in 2012 in london so first take me to take me to london when you think back to those games what are the top memories that stand out
1: well it has to be standing on the podium for sure like you can't take that away and Mm -hmm. not many people get to experience that and it still feels a little bit surreal um, even crossing the line you I didn't even know I had the third place for sure like you can feel it but you don't really know because the, the lanes are quite wide it's much wider than swimming obviously with a boat so you don't really know but I think that that was definitely a highlight and then it just felt like a roller coaster there was so much going on there's big media hype and it took me I think two hours to see my mom after the medal ceremony because then you have to go do all your doping um, control stuff after the woods and stuff so it was quite a it was quite a big roller coaster ride of hop but um so London I don't feel like I experienced it 100% it, it was just this big excitement I only arrived I think four days before I competed because I was training in Austria for like two months before and I'd been to the test event the previous year so I knew where I, I knew where we were staying I knew the whole setup there was nothing new um it was just obviously different weather conditions and stuff but I'd raced there before and so it just felt like I just needed to arrive and just settle in. And from Austria to the UK, it was such a short flight. So it was it was easy to do that.
0: How did the three games compare as far as your own personal experience? Aside from the winning the bronze, I asked this because so many times I've chatted with Olympians and they say, the first one, it's just a whirlwind. Your head's spinning. You have so many things to do. You're just trying to soak it up. But it's not till maybe the second or third time that you actually get to enjoy it a little better. So how did that compare?
1: So I think I might have had it the opposite way around that when I competed in Beijing and I was getting in a team boat, it was still a new crew. I had no huge expectation for me to make it through the heat was just the highlights of my Olympic games. So we made it to the semifinal, got knocked out. The other South Africans managed to make finals. I watched different events. I was a tourist, I went to the Great Wall of China, I went to loads of things, I partied for four nights in a row, I went to the opening and closing ceremonies, I feel like Beijing, I did it all. (laughs) I I experienced an Olympic Games 100% and then it was more like I came home and I was like, okay, I want to do this again, but I want to do it to get a good result. Um, And that's when I kind of put my head down and I thought, okay, I'm going to train and see how far I can get. Yeah.
0: Rio London, Beijing—three dynamic cities. Of those three, as purely as a tourist, which was your favorite?
1: I feel like I have to say Beijing because it felt like you were in this fairy tale world. Like everywhere you went, the buildings all ended in this like dragon. So it was this like complete different world that you. It was very hard to get around because no one like they really didn't speak English too well. You caught a taxi and you might get dropped off like a block down the road, and you're like you don't really know that you're as close as you really are to the destination you want to go to so that was quite difficult but I managed to be a tourist for about three or four days. Um, Rio I tried to be but it was quite tricky and obviously there was an element of like fear that you could get robbed or something like that so being a tourist wasn't as easy or you didn't feel that relaxed Um, and London I suppose I, I didn't really the need to be a bit of a tourist so I, yeah. I, I really think that beijing was quite special because of the uniqueness of the country that the things you see there like you're definitely not going to see anything similar anywhere else
0: and you had more of that tourist mindset too of just enjoying and, and having fun enjoying the experience you've been on yeah. some of the most legendary bodies of water around the world so i want to ask your favorite but which of the, which of the locations have left the strongest mark on you emotionally the ones that you still think about for whatever reason
1: So, I mean, a sprint course is basically like a big swimming pool. You have a warmer lane and a racing lane, which is two kilometers long. And so it's nothing fancy, but you definitely do have a place in your heart for certain race courses Mm because there's a few countries that keep hosting World Cups and World Champ events. So I would have to say that the race course in Hungary, um, which is where my coach is from, um, it's a town called Szeged, has probably got a place in my heart for sure. Not only because I trained in Hungary a lot, but uh, that was where I qualified for the London Olympics. Um, so I've, and i and and it's also where I got my first world cup um, medal. So I yeah. got a world Champ medal in Canada, but my first world cup medal that year was also Seged in Hungary was definitely, it's definitely like got a special place in my heart. Um, even like if I had to watch races there um, going forward, I think it'd be pretty exciting, even if I'm not on the start line, because they, I think they're also they're so passionate about the sport. The Hungarians they they like it's like water polo and sprint canoeing in Hungary is like the big thing, and they get loads of medals at the Olympics for those two sports. So I think it's it's quite a yeah, you know, it's quite a cool place to race.
0: <laughs> yeah, what do you feel is the biggest life lesson you've learned from the last year?
1: You're from the last year. <laughs> It's it's I think it's pretty tough because of the the emotions that um, have gone through like everybody's brains. But I think that it's kind of something that there's always something out there. Um, when one door closes, another one opens. So I think that's something that that probably has happened through a COVID year for many people. That um, and including myself, that you kind of have to make decisions along the way. Like, are you going to pursue this? Or are you going to change paths or are you going to carry on? And I think for me, it's just kind of just changing the route again now it's because in paddling, you get so many different disciplines. So we can still do fat water marathon world champs for our country every single year. And that's not an Olympic event. And there's river races as well that I've competed in as well. So, so it's really nice. That's that canoeing is not just like one event only. Yeah. And that's all you can do. How
0: about just in terms of uncertainty? Cause I know a lot of people are chatted with that, The doubt and not knowing what was next over the last year was the most frustrating aspect. So for you, in terms of uncertainty and not knowing what's going to happen, how did you handle that?
1: Well, I think that's where I'm quite lucky is that canoeing is quite diverse. Is that you you were told that the Olympics is going to be postponed, but it was like, well, should I keep training? Shouldn't I? Well, I kept training, but then I could do local river races or local flat water races around South Africa so that's what I have been doing and then it's almost like okay that takes you to about three months down the line end of last year and then you're like okay cool there's another event let me just so I'm carrying on training and there's still like a big race maybe next year like so it's more so I think I've been lucky in that sense that every couple months I just reset my brain and goals and initially it was tough but Now I'm just kind of, you just roll with it because nobody really knows. (laughs) Nothing's still like 100% certain at the moment.
0: Extremely well said. Favorite show that you watched over the last year?
1: Um, So when we went into lockdown last year, I actually started watching The Witcher. Okay. Um, And then I I got so bleak that there wasn't another episode.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I haven't seen that yet, but on, on the list. For someone visiting your home, of South Africa, for someone visiting for the first time, what would be your recommendation?
1: I feel like I have to recommend Cape Town to them. Um, okay. A lot of the paddlers that have come out to South Africa have really enjoyed it as like a little bit of a tourist um, to go down to Cape Town. I think just because you can climb a mountain, there's beautiful views, the seas are beautiful, um, a little bit diverse. Um, but also at the same time, I think to go to a game reserve with a big five, that's also something that everybody wants to do i think we take it for granted that i've seen animals in my life and it's very cool still to see the big five as well i don't i definitely don't take it for granted 100 percent. but it, it wouldn't be like oh cool let's go to the game park whereas i know that my friends that came to train in south africa um from slovenia they that was like the first weekend they had free they were like where's the nearest game park where yeah, yeah. can we see some animals
0: <laughs> yeah What's next for you? What do you have coming up? Plans, events, just looking forward into 2021.
1: So uh, this next weekend, we've actually got our Paddling Marathon Nationals. So it's quite a big weekend for me coming up and the top two boats are selected to go to the World Champs in September. So um, so at this stage, I think that's my big focus for this year. And then, and then sideline from being an athlete um, is that I'm a candidate for the IOC Athletes Commission. Um, so top, so 30 people were selected in end of 2019 and then they choose four of them and you get voted in, in the Olympic village only. So it's only Olympic athletes that vote for us. So, so that's, um, pretty much on like a little mini campaign to, um, yeah. get as many votes from the Olympic athletes as I can to hopefully, um, be selected to be on the IOC athletes commission.
0: Well, let's give you a platform for Why are you a great choice for that position?
1: Well, I, I suppose it's just something that's been so close to my heart and I'm so passionate about the Olympics because of my experience. Um, so I think I've seen the challenges along the way from countries who have all the support in the world and the countries that don't, um, namely some of the African ones. So I suppose it just it feels like it's something that I'd like to be able to help the athletes in the world like – pre Olympics during their campaign and post which um, because I've been able to kind of have a view from all different places now. So it's just something that I feel like it'd be really good to be able to share my knowledge with other athletes who have been or busy going through the same thing that I've been through already.
0: Yeah, well, I agree, especially with your training background in Hungary as well. You've got two different continents. So a diverse mindset that many athletes don't have. How can people stay up to date? How can they follow your life and follow your career?
1: Well, I suppose I try to keep up to date on my um, my Bridget Hartley athlete page or it would be my personal Facebook page and Instagram as well. I think I'm probably a bit more active on my Bridget Hartley Instagram page and a little bit on um, Facebook as well. So I think those would be the two where I quite like to share my, my racing experiences. Maybe not my everyday life as much, but um, a little bit along the way. But I think a lot of the time, like I am still trying to be as much of an athlete as I can.
0: (laughs) This was so much fun. I I learned a lot. I really, really enjoyed our conversation. It was a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, this was great. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast.
0: Well, best of luck with everything. And I hope we chat again, but thank you for today.
1: Thank you so much. Have a lovely evening. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Bridget. Be sure to give her a follow. Bridget Hartley on Instagram. You can keep up to date with her life. And... Get a first-hand glimpse of the Olympics in Tokyo next month. Oh, and happy Bastille Day to all my people in France. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Given Runway Show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Adiento. Randall has become like, you know, New York's favorite son.